Welcome to the Siren Thriving Podcast, inspiring you to own your years and thrive for life. Now to your host, whose superpower is to find the right gif for every occasion in her text messages. Hello, friends. This is Siren, and welcome to Siren Thriving, your friend in fighting ageism and just generally kicking ass in life. You are listening to another episode of our Thriving 30 series where I am interviewing 30 exceptional people in their 30s about how they are defying age standards and deep diving into areas of life from the age perspective. Our guest today is the fabulous, the fierce Jacqueline Powers. I met Jackie in New York about a decade and a half ago at a hostel in Harlem. And to my delight, she became my first New York friend. We were both transplants from our respective hometowns and both in our 20s trying to figure out the city and pretty much ourselves. And I always admired her voracious appetite for life. In many ways, she is the quintessential bohemian with artsy interests, spiritual and holistic pursuits and a life of wonder, wandering and adventure. Why else she's so cool is that she has a deeply observant mind. She has a desire to grow for herself and heal others. And she can sing Britney Spears on karaoke like no other. We are bringing her on today to talk about her views as a millennial in the digital age, her wanders and adventures in New York, her views on toxic competitiveness with peers and how to heal through a mix of holistic medicine, science, and a lot of patience. So welcome, Jackie. I am so honored and excited to have you here. Hi, everybody. Thank you. So I want to dive right in. We're going to start with our first section called Age Matters. So Jackie, one of your favorite artists is the phenomenal woman herself, Maya Angelou. She has an incredible quote on aging that I wanted to discuss with you. She says, most people don't grow up. Most people age. They find parking spaces, honor their credit cards, get married, have children, and call that maturity. What that is, is aging. So what is your interpretation of that quote? Maya Angelou is so deep. Man, I think most people in this day and age, they kind of follow a template of what they think maturity is. And these milestones in life that dictate that you're growing into a mature person. And it's rooted a lot in materialism. Mm -hmm. Owning a house, getting a credit card racking up debt, keeping up with the Joneses. And it's not really doing anything to nurture you spiritually. It's just kind of going through the motions of what you think that you're expected to do by a certain point in time in your life. Right. Going through the motions and it not nourishing you spiritually. So if if those things are aging, and then she's saying most people do that instead of growing up. So then what is growing up to you? Growing up is growing and a lot of growing takes a lot of reflection and going through a lot of resistance and pain. Growing pains is a term for a reason. Most people won't change their ways unless they're challenged by things that back them into a corner Mm. for them to do something differently. And it has to kind of hurt first for them to give into that and let go of their old ideals to shift into a different person or adapt different ideologies. That is so beautiful and simple. Growing up is growing. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. I think Miss Angelou would be extremely proud of you for that interpretation. So let's let's keep going with some more age matters. So you are a beautiful 38-year-old woman. Do you feel comfortable telling people your age? I never used to lie about my age before in the past. I never really understood the incentive of people doing that. I guess until I got older, I don't object protecting yourself by not being totally transparent with people. It depends on who you're talking to. You don't, you don't owe people who you're not familiar with or don't feel comfortable with just giving them information that you don't know how they're going to use for or against you. So for the most part, no, I don't have any qualms. There's no problems with me disclosing my age, but there is an exception to the rule. And I won't just automatically give people really personal information about myself mm-hmm. if I don't feel like they're going to use it in a proper way. Right. That is so important. I-, I love that you're calling out that nuance about it because sure, it's not because you would be ashamed of your age, but that some people weaponize or or think something inappropriate in the way that they ask you your age and Correct. you're not willing to do that. And it's important to recognize that because you don't owe them shit. And if you don't say it, it doesn't mean you're ashamed. It's because you're just protecting yourself because unfortunately people do use age as a way to judge others. And then as far as your interactions with others, when people ask you your age, do you find most of it to be appropriate? When is there ever an appropriate time to ask somebody their age? I'm trying to think of a context. Is it someone who's approaching you because they want to date you? Is it a coworker? I've always been honest about where I am in life and my age, but I just feel as though I've gone through a couple of things where it has been weaponized against me. And it's just kind of to categorize me in a way that if I feel it's not going to be of service to me, then I won't disclose that personal information. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, people don't think that I'm as old as I am. I've always been marked as someone a lot younger. And even that has kind of been detrimental because they think that I'm not as wise as I actually am too. Mm -hmm. So I just feel age can be used to weaponize from all sorts of angles. And so that that can just kind of turn into a dangerous thing that we all need to be cautious about. Yeah, you actually got me thinking, when is it appropriate? I find we ask children their ages all the time, right? It's it's extremely normal. It's like one of the first things you ask. So what is that? I think that's a little bit more appropriate because as a child, you're just going through so many developmental stages so close together. But once you've kind of come into your own and you're kind of providing for yourself, it really shouldn't matter how mm. old you are to certain people. What would be the angle of them discovering that? So I guess in that sense, age does kind of matter because you should have some kind of respect for your elders, so to speak. I agree. I think no matter what age you are, you should respect people's experience. So we met in our 20s and we're both closer to 40 now. So I want to know how you felt about turning 30 when you did. And then how do you think you're going to feel about turning 40 in a couple of years? Oh, wow. Okay. How I felt turning 30. I mean, I think there's always kind of a, a mixed emotion about entering a different age bracket, especially milestones that are turning a different decade. The 30s was really exciting, but I was kind of like pumped the brakes because I was still trying to relish all the good things that you think about when you're 20, just being so young and free spirited. But it's never as, as bad as you really think it is. It's just a different 
age, you're still very attractive. If you're an attractive person, you just have a more mature mindset. Now that I've gotten really deep into my 30s, so deep into my 30s that I'm approaching 40, I have a lot of anxiety surrounding that too, because now it's just, I would like to eventually form my own family. And with that, there's a biological element of you only have a certain amount of time before you can accomplish that within this particular time range. So it's just, it's something I am looking forward to. It's just, there's more of a deadline to accomplish Mm. particular things that I didn't feel was so much of a deadline a decade ago. So that's the primary comparison. It's still exciting to turn a new decade, but then there is this biological aspect to it Uh as we, as we get to our forties. Going back a little bit again, having that in our twenties, what did you think the thirties were going to be like? What has proven right and what has surprised you? I thought the 30s that you're going to be at the peak of your career. You were definitely going to find the one within that time and just live that ideal imaginative life of just peaking when it comes to everything. I would say that it's achievable to accomplish all those things, but if you don't hit the mark within that time frame, it's not the end all be all either. Life literally goes on and mm-hmm. you can achieve it at any time in between now and death. That's right. What surprised me in my 30s is, well, especially in the millennial generation, I just feel a lot of people are living very non-traditional ways from generations above them when they were in their 30s. So it's kind of anything goes at this point in time. But you can go back to school and do a third career if you wanted to, which wasn't something that was common a generation ago. You could opt to adopt children instead of having your own biological kids. That's a growing mentality that wasn't as accepted not that long ago. It's just kind of a more of an anything goes type of thing. It's not as rigid as what was with prior generations. So yeah, it gives you a lot more room for liberty and Mm. moving around. So that brings us to our next subject, which is more societal. And let's start with the awesome generation that we are in, which is millennials. So do you identify as a millennial and how would you describe one? I didn't even really know that we were millennials, honestly, um, until not that long ago. Yes. Because I thought that, well the internet wasn't as developed as it is now. Mm -hmm. And so even five years ago, when I tried to look into the subject, the cutoff line between Generation Z and millennials would just keep going up and down. It was never a standardized thing. There wasn't this general consensus about the the separation of the two uh, generations. And so I thought that millennials were actually younger than me and you mm-hmm. at 38, but now we're millennials. I do understand that there is this been diagram sliver between yes. Generation Z and millennials, and it's called Xenials. I'm sure yeah. you heard yeah. of it. Yes. <laughs> so I believe that that is kind of where we fall in. We're the elder millennials or some Generation Z 
kids might call us some geriatric millennials <laughs> or whatever old is Shade. of the batch. But then we do have a lot of characteristics of the blending of Generation X also. And there's mm. no crisp line that separates two different kind of generations either. And that's such a good point because I didn't even hear the word millennial. I feel until a few years ago, but it now it's just kind of all encompassing. They really didn't talk about our generation until we were just almost out of it, honestly. Right. I yeah. thought that we were labeled Generation Y and then millennials. Maybe that's the reason why I, I didn't understand that we were millennials because they didn't mm-hmm. start talking about millennials until the second half of the batch came. Right. Um, the people that are still in their 20s now. Yeah. It has moved. Let's be clear. I mean, as a society with things, labels, they move and solidify at different times in different ways. And they're always debatable. But yeah, totally. Elder millennial or pejoratively geriatric millennial. Fuck you, whoever says that. Boomers had a thing for sure. Boomers as a very clear delineation, right? So I think one of the main um, delineations for us is our relation to the digital age and the booming of the internet in the early 2000s. Oh, so some people say millennials start at 82. I think that the first graduating class within the 2000s signifies somebody as a millennial. So 2000 was the, the first um, graduating class of the millennium. Right. And, and that's when people came of age. I love that. I actually haven't heard that interpretation because I'm born 82. My high school graduate year is 2000. I was actually talking to my high school friend last night and we were joking about how for the year 2000, they predicted that to be the end of the world. And then on our 20 year anniversary, 2020, it was the end of the world. So I'm really proud of shout out to all my classes, (laughs) particularly born 1982 because we haven't been through it. But either way, Generation X, nobody talks to them. They're pretty chill. They're mostly in their 40s right now, 40s and like early 50s. They're just super chill and badass motherfuckers that went through some shit. And yeah, like, they really did. Quiet. And nobody talks about them. Well, I guess they got smushed by baby boomers because that is such a large bracket, a very big age range with them. And then millennial, we were the very beginning, the dawn of the internet. One thing about the younger millennials and the generations you don't realize or won't ever experience is that they don't really know life before the internet and after the internet. When the internet became commercialized and was standard in every household, there was a time where that was not a thing. Your household didn't have internet. It's even hard for me to say out loud now because it's such a foreign concept. We are so used to internet being attainable anywhere. Okay, awesome. So speaking of the digital age... I wanted to quote you. You said that you are longing to extend the possibilities of face-to-face contact in a world that's changing to a permanent and almost mandatory state of virtual reality. I think that was so eloquent and really captures our times. So what do you think about where we have come regarding virtual interaction? I think that we are on the cusp of the matrix. And I feel like some metaverse is going to tip us over the edge. And I think that it's not even going to be voluntary. This is just the Pandora's box has been unleashed and there's no putting the genie back in the lamp. I mean, between separation of people through social media, even though it's always a platform that's supposed to unite people and bring them together, I think it's, there's just been a lot of division. And this is even pre 
Trump election of 2016. After that, we were divided more than ever. But there is something in the, the air already between people and your tangible lives that social media was affecting too much of your real world interactions with people that you knew in real life in a very unhealthy way. And it caused a lot of friction and drama that could have been cut out if people weren't so involved in it to begin with. So involved as far as in what way? Well, people didn't take their online relationships with people so seriously. Mm -hmm. Instead, just kind of focused on what your relationship was in, in, in the real world setting. Yes. I think you've inspired me to articulate it twofold. One in that what the shit people talk online, don't take it that seriously because you don't know and you can pretty much bet they wouldn't dare say that kind of shit in person. And then secondly, don't disregard your actual in-person interactions as well. So those are ominous fears. Are there any hopes? Jackie, give us some hope. Are there any hopes for this? No, no. This is what virtual reality is. In the 90s, we were, oh, we just thought we were going to wear those goggles and have cyber sex or whatever. (laughs) No, this is what virtual virtual reality actually fruition into. We're slaves to... uh, world that is digital i mean the pandemic separated us and now virtual reality is finishing the job all these social medias when are we ever gonna really have relationships i'm gonna facetiously push back but i get to interact with people anyway i get to read all these (laughs) comments on my stuff i get to see how (laughs) celebrities lives and my friends and family's lives are doing why can't that be a good thing that i'm getting all of this social interaction well because it's you're not face-to-face interacting with them I mean, it's cool that you can check on them, but I know that there are millions of other people who have fallen into a social media black hole Mm -hmm. and they just get so absorbed in it and they think that their portrayal online is more important than who they are and what kind of relationships that they have in person. I don't know what you're talking about. I check on Beyonce stuff every day. Totally my friend. I get to see pictures of her kids and all the trips she goes on. What are you talking about? No, but kidding aside, I've been calling it a rabbit hole, but I'm going to call it a fucking black hole because it really sucks everything into it. It's maybe a I rabbit thought, hole. Maybe it's a both. Right. You've got to... It's- It's interchangeable at this point. Right. Once you're in, there's no coming out. You touched on the dire consequences of not having face-to-face interaction and how it has only inflamed the division. Because if we disagree, then our only interaction remains digital. Then we're never going to come to resolution. So that being said, with political correctness, that is another concept that has evolved greatly within our generation as millennials and obviously is still very much in the forefront of our culture today. So you gave a really interesting view on it and mentioned that some people are playing the victim and villainize others by acting like they themselves are victimized, which I think is a view that many people hold. And if you would be willing to share some of your experiences that led you to this view. The whole kind of victim mentality that is what 
people equate to activism these days and the villainization of anybody that challenges it or says anything that can be deemed as offensive. That's just kind of casual talk. I think, yeah, the internet definitely breathed a lot of life into the capability of doing that. And if you have an opinion or even kind of a question about it, then you better watch your ass because they're coming after you at pitchforks, tiki torches. <laughs> Which is very anti-intellectual, actually, because asking <laughs> questions is the basis on how we come to an understanding. And if you're doing that because you want to create more peace in this world, just know that you are literally doing the opposite. Of, yeah. You're precluding peace in this world by not allowing people to be naturally curious and express themselves I feel that is so detrimental to our progress as a society. If anything, it's backwards. It comes down to interpretation because you have to factor in intent. Sometimes it's a lost cause and you don't have to actually educate other people also. I mean, sometimes it's up to you to create that limit or boundary of the things that you care to engage with and things that you don't. I, I think it's important to create your own agency when it comes to whether you want to go out and try to cancel somebody and what is actual cancellation material. Right. I keep going back and forth. Is cancel culture millennials or Gen Z? I'm pretty sure Gen Z, maybe younger millennials. Yeah. I, we don't if, do that. If we were, we would have canceled basically all of hip hop if we were in cancel culture. And I'm a huge 90s hip hop fan. Huge. Yeah, there'd be no pop culture whatsoever mm-hmm. for the year 2000. Because we didn't know back then. We didn't know any better. Yeah. And now that we're, we're becoming more educated, we've had discussions centering around things that would have been canceled or toxic things of the past to evaluate but what's happened back then when we were growing up that's already been done there's no correcting that but going forward it's about spreading awareness education and if you feel like something does need to be addressed canceling isn't the answer we should have mediation cancellation is the opposite of mediation yeah i think at least i'm happy that they're calling out things just to talk about one music in general has been extremely misogynistic and yes i'm happy that it's kind of progressing i don't understand why men in a very misogynistic way can call women hoes in a way that leads to denigrating them but i'm happy that it's moving forward and that we're calling out shit that we shouldn't do and i think that's another super relevant aspect of what has changed for us generationally Okay, well, thank you for talking age matters with me, Jackie. Uh All right, drivers, that is our episode. Thank you so much again for listening. And if you're interested in working with me as your coach, I am currently offering three amazing programs to help you define your purpose and optimize your productivity. You can learn more about the programs and get more free content at sirenthriving.com. Thanks again, and I look forward to serving you again soon.